Hey everybody, this is Nate. And this is Justin. From Pertnier Sandstone. And you're listening to Road to Blue Ox. On this episode, we were lucky enough to sit down with Sam Bush over the phone. He called us from his home in Nashville. Sam had a recent birthday and was also part of Del McCurry's 80th birthday celebration at the Grand Old Opry. We talked to him about his new song and video, Stop the Violence. We talked to him about festivals and what it's like being part of a scene for 40 plus years. Thanks again to Sam for calling in and carving out some time for this interview. We will also be listening to some music from the Jeff Austin Band, which brings to mind some stories from years past. We'll get into that a little bit later. We'll also be highlighting music from the lowest pair. And for something unique on this episode, we were able to sit down with Kara Martiner, who's the hospitality manager at the Blue Ox Music Festival, and discuss her role behind the scenes. Let's go ahead and jump to that right now. All right. Uh, so, hey, everybody, uh, we're coming at you from a fish house on Otter Tail Lake in Ottertail County in Minnesota. We are playing a gig on the ice, Ottertail on ice, tonight. And uh, with us, joining us, is Blue Ox hospitality manager, Kara Martner. Hello, Kara. Hi, how's it going? Great. Are you excited to be up here? We are very excited to be up here. Are you excited to be up here? It's been such a fun time. It's actually uh, my only second time ice fishing, so it's been a good time just catching fish and kind of seeing what the actual northern Minnesota life is all about. Yeah, um, this is... We are being steeped in Minnesota culture right now, fully, full on. We're pretty rustic here for sure. Yeah, let's set the scene. The maybe uh, knotty pine, maybe one of the <laughs> bougiest ice fishing setups I've ever seen in my life. Um, I was telling everybody earlier how much has changed since my dad and my brothers and I would go out on the ice with a pop-up canvas tent basically that he made with a sunflower heater and basically freeze our butts off but hang out for a while and fish this is completely different you can sleep four there's sonar a gas stove range a bathroom a microwave a toilet a tv uh four or five spots to fish bluetooth radio <laughs> yeah, bluetooth radio refrigerator it's nothing like it was it's kind of crazy for me to be here this is a pretty good uh, introduction to ice fishing for you, Kara. It sure is. I'm feeling a little bit like glamping right now. <laughs> With Kara, we're going to discuss what it's like working behind the scenes of Blue Ox Music Festival. Uh, running around on golf carts, which I know you do quite a bit quite of. Quite a bit. Got a little story about how we lost one for a tad bit of time last year. Yeah, that was pretty <laughs> exciting, I recall. I'm not sure that everybody knows about that. Well, you're so emotionally spent and tired because you're doing so much. Uh, why don't you give us kind of a window into what you do on the daily at Blue Ox? Absolutely. So uh, one of the big things is just getting there a little bit early. Uh, I typically show up on site about a day or two ahead of time to make sure that everything's all prepped for when artists get there. Um, at that point in time, a lot of the backstage is still not fully in place. And so there's a lot of logistics of figuring out where things are going to go. Um, 
little things like setting up gift bags, making sure that all the artists feel like they're welcome because they're coming and a life on the road is really honestly difficult. And so a lot of times they're traveling from some other show that just happened and they're going to be there for the night or maybe two nights um, and you're sort of still camping. And so you have to make them feel like they have the best home possible, um, especially to make sure they bring the best performance possible to everybody else. And so a lot of it is uh, keeping spirits in, in good places. There's a lot of uh, what you expected was going to happen maybe isn't exactly what happens. And so last year, I remember particularly, we had um, changed a couple of things with the layout backstage that made uh, my logistics different than the year before. And so there was a lot of parking issues and having uh, sure. trailers and things get stuck in certain places that are not helpful for getting all the gear off of. <laughs> the I remember, I remember <laughs> specifically... Uh, a, a Steep Canyons trailer, we had to dig out of the rocks and gravel, didn't we? Uh, so much so. We had to also turn them around in the main part of the campground. So we were trying to direct campers who don't know at all what is going on while this huge uh, tour bus plus a trailer is making a U-turn into this area to back back into the backstage. Uh, and then eventually they got essentially kind of stuck where they were that we ended up having to use a Subaru to pull all of the gear down to the stage to make sure that they could get on in time. It's the uh, roll with the punches, moment-to-moment uh, -moment festival things that occur. Absolutely. And all in a day's work. All yeah. in a day's work. And you're losing your mind and pretty much think that you've ruined everything and then it all comes together and nobody is the wiser. Well, I will say that you're, you're always smiling as you're backstage. It's great to see that it's you're providing that for the bands as they're settling in and trying to figure out the lay of the land. and You were up in the, um, in the front building. Yep, I well. started at Artist Check-In was kind of my first year at Blue Ox. Yeah, and so a lot right. of that was just greeting artists at the first time that they come in, um, kind of getting familiar with essentially the festival itself and sort of how everything runs. Oh, you got a hit? <laughs> Nate's got a hit on his line. We're going to see oh. maybe a little perch. Oh, you oh. got nothing, Nate. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, has it? Nate's currently investigating his shiner to see if a fish actually did hit it. And it looks like it may have. It also looks like you might need a new shiner. Carol, what do you love about working at Blue Ox? Uh, honestly, probably just the spontaneity of it all. It's a lot of sleepless nights and kind of going nuts running around and you feel like you don't understand at all anything that's happening and somehow yet you are the expert on everything uh and i think that <laughs> is what makes it so much fun you know you trial by fire absolutely trial by fire out as you go that yeah. is what we've experienced in being part of a festival too you just like all of a sudden it's upon you and all of a sudden you have to just start moving and then it's like a perpetual movement until it's over. Stops. Yeah. <laughs> and then, and then like, you take a 16-hour coma. Yeah. And then you're like, wow, <laughs> that was unbelievable, amazing, exhausting. What's the craziest thing you've had to track down for somebody? Uh, you know, booze is usually typically the thing that everybody wants the most because I think it makes the performance a little bit more exciting. And so... Um, <laughs> Are you saying everybody plays better drunk? <laughs> I mean, I don't know if they play better drunk necessarily always, but I think it helps get them in the right place to really want to jam. <laughs> Our thanks to Bell's Brewery for providing the backstage beer and sponsoring the 2019 Blue Ox. <laughs> Absolutely. We love Bell's. So you have to track down a lot of booze. I mean, everybody likes booze. Everybody likes booze. Some people well, like what, booze more than what others. Is a, what, say, what, 
what's a weird thing though? Is can you think of anything that that you've been like? I really have to go look for flourless chocolate cake. Uh, oh, you know, <laughs> I won't say it was a weird thing, but um, we did have to hunt for some flowers last year that ended up becoming uh, something that we should have planned a little bit further out. Okay, you had to get flowers for whom? Margot Price. She uses them in her set, which is a really sweet and super adorable thing. Um, And sometimes you also wish that artists would tell you what the purpose of things that they request on their rider is because it's just listed as, you know, I need 12 dozen flowers. But then you find out that she's passing them out at the end of her set to all the children that are up at the front row. And it's a really sweet moment for them to kind of bond with an artist. And it becomes a whole magical moment. And you see the photos and videos from that. And you're like, I can't believe... That sweet touching thing was like a frustrating moment for me earlier while I'm trying to track down these flowers. <laughs> oh, that's good. We actually have a Margot Price rose in our van from when she played in Madison. Do you really? The same night as we. And uh, yeah, we made it to her show and one of the armchair boogie guys actually caught the rose and ended up in our van, I think. Yeah, Nate was the young child at the front of the stage <laughs> in Madison. <laughs> He loves Margot. We love Margot. She we was there all last love year. She's freaking amazing. I know. I, I have to give you credit though. Like Nate said, you're always wearing a smile and um, are always super helpful and just willing, which is maybe the most important part for a hospitality manager is just to be willing. Like as frustrating as it is, you just do it and you help and you make people feel at home. That's great. Thank you. I appreciate that a lot. And you know your your golf cart driving skills are superb. I'll give you credit on that. We made many a trips from the late night stage to the campground all over the festival. If you got to get to the front gate, sometimes that can be hard. Cutting through the festival bowl is a whole thing in to itself. To go to the merch. That's a whole thing. That's like parting <laughs> the Red Sea uh, like of people that people do not understand. Like, what are you doing out here with the golf cart? Do you see me enjoying the music and the festival? Please go away. But no, that is the look that they give you or just the dead stare where they don't understand. And that's why I'm like, I don't want to lose your toes, please. And that's why on the way out, I grabbed a couple hats, stood off the back and handed out hats to people as we were passing through yes. the crowd. One guy was visibly thrilled and it was all worth it. It is always it's not worth giving it. a rose to a child at the end of a show, but it is a hat giving a hat to a <laughs> festival goer in the middle of a show. <laughs> No, so your your weekend starts when when do you get to the festival? When do you roll in and kind of officially punch in? I get in on Wednesday, although this year I'm planning on trying to get in on Monday because you always learn that there's more time that you could use before everything oh, yeah. starts. Just preparing, absolutely. And the lay of the land. Once the wheels get rolling, they do not stop, and you just want a little more time. Mm-hmm. And then you're there working until Saturday night when Saturday the main night. stage goes down, and then we enjoy ourselves afterwards and make sure we get a little of our own partying in because I'm definitely a festival goer outside of um, Blue Ox. And so sometimes you get a little envious of everybody's enjoyable experience that you're not having. Uh, Who are you looking forward to seeing this year? Uh, This year, there are a whole bunch of bands that I'm actually not super familiar with. Um, So I think the biggest thing for me is just discovering some new new people that I'll be into. Um, That's kind of my... favorite part in general is just getting to discover somebody that you're working with and then find out like you're an amazing performer that I wouldn't have maybe known before. Totally one of the things we are aiming for with Blue Ox and when we build the bill and when we seek out the artists that we seek out, we're lucky enough to be able to travel around and discover new artists at shows that we play and at venues that we come across and that's one of the things we're really aiming to do at Blue Ox is to introduce people to new things and then also indulge ourselves and bring back artists that we love. 
and introduce artists to the community of the audience in our region and hopefully they keep coming back other blue oxes or other events and venues around the area as well so you're a big part of that helping them uh, feel welcome helping them be comfortable here and you're you're kind of the first face that they'll see and and yeah you're an important aspect of blue ox so you're also working at the Palace I in St. Paul. So you're you're not at all a newbie to music or the the Venue whole scene. yeah the whole scene that occurs around musicians. So bluegrass crowds are some of my favorite crowds to interact with when I'm working at a venue. <laughs> yes, they're the ones that are usually the most. I wouldn't say they're mild mannered because we all like our whiskey and beer for sure. And that kind of will show at those shows for sure. But uh, I think that there is this respect for the music that shows a lot more. And a lot of people are super fans or they're willing to talk to other people that are coming to the show. And why do you love them so much? Uh, I just saw The Devil Makes Three over at First Ave, which was phenomenal Uh, and just getting to see a lot of those same blue ox people that come out to those shows is really another way that builds that community in the winter oh i'm sure there are similar faces where you're just like i know you're a blue ox person or even uh, i was wristbanding a guy and he had his blue ox wristband on still from last year nice yeah i loved seeing them at the festival last year that was actually a highlight for me aside from you know margo and her rose throwing right of course We fanboyed out a little on Devil Makes Three after their set last year. So much. Yeah, Nate and I were down backstage kind of waiting for them to come off stage to say thanks for coming and thanks for playing. Like, we love you. And I think that we were a little too... (laughs) Strong on them. (laughs) Or at least, you know, yeah, too wide-eyed. All of a sudden they're like, yeah, we we should really get our in-ear stuff taken care of. (laughs) And they split on us, but... Well, I mean, that's it. That's part of it. Like, we get to build our our dream playlist festival. You know, we get to we get to build our festival with people that we love to see, and sometimes it shows a little too much. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for talking to us, Kara. We look forward to another great year at Blue Ox this year. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, see you in the pines. Poetical lyrics combined with wistful banjo and guitar playing really make the lowest pair a joy to watch. We're also thrilled to have them back on the Blue Ox stage. There's something very calming and soothing about watching them on stage and listening to their sound. It's been my pleasure to get to know their catalog and watch them grow as a band and really kind of be there. Learn some of their songs. Yeah, learn some of their songs to cover on stage as well. It's just really love their songwriting style and and how they perform. Nothing's more beautiful than the sound of ten banjo strings chiming in unison, <laughs> ricocheting through the hills and hollers. No, it's it's great the sound they make, and they're such versatile musicians. They switch up their instruments and and really. Um, they're a duo that I, you know, feels like they were born to play together. So, and we've, they've just been great friends of ours and it's always fun to be meeting them out at festivals and hear them perform. The Lois Pair have a number of releases over the past years and they will be putting out a new release soon. And here's a track from them, Q and Offflower. Mm-hmm. 
with you well, my good time friends. I'm bound up iron wood, and you can't sway me with no captain's wage, no diamonds, gold, or pearls. If I make it up past holding boys, no, I'm bound to see my girl. That fanciest flower I ever seen, fair as I ever saw, is on the south shore to get you going deep up on the key, you know. Well, the copper mine and the porcupine Goes along before my day In the piney hills of my home Make a timber in the field of shade So I'll haul the freight to the dogs, boys With the iron money make my way We can live alone in our cabin hall And pick our peace sweet days That fanciest flower I've ever seen Fair as I ever saw the lowest pair from the recording uncertain as it is uneven it'll be great to see them out in the pines this year at the festival another mandolin player as well as an artist who's been to the festival every year so far including this year is jeff austin now this man has brought mandolin to new heights in popularity in the scene that we're involved in dating back to his time with the under mountain string band and now his most recent solo venture. As well as Grateful Ball that played last year at Blue Ox. The way he teams up with uh, Traveling McCurries and they do certain Grateful Dead tunes and shows. Yep. Yeah, it's basically a bluegrassy Grateful Dead cover band that are really coming into their own as uh, purveyors of the music. So we have a vivid memory of Jeff Austin and Blue Ox. He contacted us the morning he was supposed to play at Blue Ox 
and said, my flight has been canceled. I don't know how I'm going to get there, but I'm going to do my best. And we're like, okay, that's kind of a big deal. You know, Jeff Austin's a big draw. We know that there are some people certainly who are here to see him. And, uh, well, okay, well, hopefully he gets here. So really in the last minute, Jeff Austin tears into the Blue Ox campgrounds and the, and the backstage in a minivan that he rented from a rental car place in Rochester, Minnesota, because he had to reroute his flights to get to Minnesota from where he was coming from. Literally dust is flying up as he turns the corner and parks his minivan, steps out and says, I'm here, but I need a mandolin <laughs> and a clean shirt. He had no luggage, <laughs> no luggage, no instruments, nothing uh, really. Uh, but he made it and he played Sierra Hall's mandolin. And I believe uh, Sierra's bass player filled in with him on his set as well. And he made it and he played the show and it was uh, very, you could tell how stressed out he was, but how relieved he was at the same time for making it and, and not having to miss his gig. Jeff Austin definitely embodies the spirit of summer music festivals right there. He, he nailed it. Rundown's a good way to explain What I did to the question I rattled suburban refrain Until you throw it away Face pale white Inconvenience store lights I'm beginning to believe My surroundings somehow Recognize my schemes
sounds a good way to explain What I did to question that rattled suburban refrain Time ain't tight until you throw it away Face pale white, inconvenient store That's Jeff Austin playing Rundown from his release, The Simple Truth. Justin, do you have any favorite memories of Blue Ox in the last four years? I do have many, many memories. But one thing that really sticks out in my memory is the first year was very muddy and rainy. If anybody who was there remembers that it was a big mud pit uh, and it was rainy most of the weekend, but it certainly did not dampen any spirits even for a mid-70s Del McCurry who is more spry than I ever thought I hope to be as spry as Del McCurry when I'm his age in the midst of the rain and the mud Del McCurry was scheduled to play and uh, there was you know there's a, a bit of space between the the backstage trailer where they were all getting ready and the stage so I turn around and see a, a golf cart doing a U-turn and on the back of the golf cart, standing up and holding on, is the one and only Del McCurry wearing his a beautiful cream-colored suit and his white coif of hair blowing in the wind uh, with a big grin on his face on his, on his way to stage. Uh, I won't ever forget that moment and I really cherish that memory. <laughs> like the bluegrass sees around his chariot. <laughs> yeah, riding and riding to stage to show everybody how it's done. I can feel the wheels turning underneath my feet. So I pull a shade down on my window seat. Praying where I'm going is better than where I've been. Then a stranger sits down as if he's right at home Touches me and says, I see you traveling alone And by the way, son, you forgot to say amen He says, I guess there's something here I need to explain I try to talk to everyone riding this train Some of them listen, but most don't pay me no mind And the train keeps Case open now 90 miles She never even noticed that laid back at where she been And the couple with the kids at the front of the car Fussing all the way about some cookie jar I'm gonna ask them what they saw and their journey is in Train keeps rolling and the world keeps going. 
the train slows down unexpectedly To raise my blind, he slaps my knee Saying this is my stop, son, but you won't be traveling alone Nobody there, just a light in the sky. I lose my breath and my blood runs cold as stone. Then I feel the wheels are turning underneath my feet. But life looks different from my window seat. Knowing where I'm going is better than where I've been. And the train keeps rolling. The train keeps rolling. And the world keeps Yeah, that first year at Blue Ox was legendary in its muddiness. And you know, the, the owners, the Bischels, really put a lot of work into that land for drainage and redesigned the entire concert bowl field. And But Jay and I, just last night, driving back from the gig, we're reminiscing about how Pertnier truly christened the festival when we were instructed to drive across the field with our van to the backstage area that first year and promptly got stuck <laughs> right in front of the, the beer tent, which is an appropriate place to break down. However, all these dudes, instead of hauling kegs, jumped out to push our van out of the mud and we left quite a trail within 12 hours that entire field there was there was no grass and our trail had been you know filled in with mud and water footprints but well here's hoping for good weather this year but again if it rains blue oxers definitely know how to party in it so and we thank you all for that always building such a great uh, environment with such high spirits We were riding down through the grapevine When I heard someone say your name Hand on my shoulder, just a little bit older now And I remember everything High until you ride upon Bridal Veil Ten thousand feet above the sound The news came around and sent me to count all my blessings And to thank you for all the good friends that I found dreaming or did this really happen I can feel the earth below my feet 
child has never known regret or defeat. Sam, well, thanks for joining us, man. Appreciate it. Glad to. How's it going today, fellas? Yeah, good. Uh, great. I'm glad we can finally link up here after playing phone tag for quite a while, but it seems like you've been really busy doing some good stuff. What's new lately? Well, uh, you know, it's a pretty good time here just since uh, since November. Uh, you know, about the first week of November, the, uh, the documentary that I was the subject of called Revival the Sam Bush story has uh, finally seen the light of day. You can, uh, I guess, stream it or buy it on Amazon. And uh, and we're just now starting to get some uh, actual hard copy DVDs released on it, too. So that's been an interesting time and uh, uh, getting some good reaction on the film. And then um, come, I think, the schedule for around March 8th, you can look for a release by the Sam Bush Band in that we've made a YouTube single. And uh, so it's a video, uh, a single for, for a YouTube video. So it's the first time for me to do anything like this. And it's kind of the first time I've recorded a song like this. And what it is is a song Jeff Black and I wrote and uh, called Stop the Violence. <laughs> and, uh, and, it's, and it displays like the rock and roll side of our band. In other words, I play a Fender electric mandolin on it and... Steve and our guitar players on electric guitar, and Scott, who would normally be on banjo, will be on. He's on a banjo synthesizer. This basically sounds, you know, like a like a uh, Hammond B3 organ in overdrive. And uh, okay, but Jeff and I wrote this song about ten years ago, and um, and I, I've, we do it on. We've started you know, playing it live. And I tell the audience, unfortunately, it's still relevant, which is gets an odd reaction, but it. Uh, we wrote it about 10 years ago when we felt like, uh, you know, American society was just mean-spirited and, and, uh, and, and just thought it's getting more violent. And unfortunately, here we are 10 years later, and, and it still applies. And so that being said, Jeff and I 
believe in what the song says, and we're not preaching, we're not being political, but uh, it's just two songwriters wishing for a less violent society. So really, it's the first time I ever, you know, just felt like there's something I wanted to say, and, and uh, so we recorded this song, and it's a total, <laughs> it's like a, it's a Hendrix-style tune, and uh, and uh, so it's it's a rock and roll slam, and then we'll be back to our acoustic self in a couple of months recording a, a record, so I'm, I'm gathering ideas to record a new uh, album. Nice. Do you think that single will be a part of the album as well? Well, that's that's the plan at this time, just to stand alone. And uh, no, just because I don't have other electric songs, you know, that would probably go together in a collection at this time. So, no, I sure. just felt like I wanted to make this uh, this single and and, uh, and and try something different. Uh, and you know, we do have our rock and roll side, so we're putting that out for this single. And then, like I say, we'll I'm sure we'll be back to our acoustic instruments <laughs> recording here in a couple yeah. of months. Well, as a mandolin player who also verges into the electric world with um, electric guitar and things. Um, uh-huh. I look forward to hearing that for sure. My 1956 Fender mandolin with, you know, the super overdrive on it. It's, it's just, it's, uh, it, for us mandolin players, it's really fun. I mean, I, I've always been horsing around with a Fender mandolin, and uh, even when I was in high school, a buddy of mine had one, and I would try to try to learn how to bend the strings on it like an electric guitar player. So really, uh, I take my mandolin knowledge, but I also take my electric guitar knowledge and kind of combine the two on that instrument. Well, great. Yeah, I actually had a chance to watch the documentary on Amazon as well and really enjoyed it. So I wonder... Thank you. Is it a... Yeah. I wonder, is it strange for you to watch that yourself? It has been, yes, because, I mean, to the first... When it... It actually, you know, it debuted like in around 2015, I think, at the Nashville Film Festival, the 2016, and uh, so it did well on the film festival circuit, right, on the small, uh, the independent film festivals, and then, uh, but then there, it went into a song licensing hang-up, so that, I now realize that that takes years, you know, it just, you know, it takes a while to get all the songs cleared and everything, fair and square, and uh so uh but but when it first came out the first time I saw it <clears throat> was in a theater here in Nashville for the Nashville Film Festival and quite a few of the people who you know appear and were gracious enough to talk on camera about me uh were in the audience so that that too was kind of strange it was, <laughs> without being too morbid it, it was like being at your own wake <laughs> yeah I was going to say the good part is I, I'm not trying to be a spoiler here, but at the end of the documentary, I lived. <laughs> well, we're glad you're still around. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Was it all authorized by you? Were, were you were you in on the planning, or was it sort of somebody approached you and said, "Hey, I want to make a documentary about you. Will you ask some answer some questions?" It was well, it was authorized, you know, by Lynn and me, and uh, it uh, what what it is with the two filmmakers. Name are Chris Wheeler and Wayne Franklin, and we saw they invited us to a film they made, and it was at the Nashville Film Festival. We had met them down in in Destin, Florida, down the Gulf Coast, where Lynn and I like to hang uh, month at least a month a year down there, and um, and the Gulf Coast of, uh, of uh, the Panhandle of Florida. So, at any rate, uh, they made a documentary on uh, a good friend of ours, who's a fine musician named Duke Bardwell, and so. Duke's story was he had actually played bass with Elvis when he was a kid, right? So they, his his uh, his documentary is called Duke and the King, and we just liked the way they told Duke's story. 
And uh, so it was after that we found out that they specifically wanted Lynn and I to come to this um, film so because they were interested in doing one on me. And so upon first approach, it seemed like pretty intimidating. There's nothing you'd ever want to do. And then I, the more we talked and I got to know them, I felt like I could trust them, you know, with my story. And really, it. but that's kind of where, I mean, my involvement was giving interviews and, you know, maybe supplying them a few phone numbers. But really, it was their way of telling my story. So it's the filmmakers telling of, you know, my musical story, I guess. So in that way, uh, it you know, it's... Maybe it's not exactly the same way that I, of course it isn't the same way I would tell it, but I'm not a filmmaker and they, you know, they saw the, the way you could possibly make an interesting uh, documentary and what have you. So it's Wayne and Chris telling, you know, my musical story and, and mine and Lynn's story. It really portrays the fact that you were there at the beginning of this, um, you know, this festival scene that we're a part of and we're, you know, you we're there at the early stages of laying the landscape for what a lot of us come to consider just the normal annual events around the country and even around the world uh, with bluegrass as well as, you know, more jam band festivals. And uh, we're, of course, honored and grateful that you return to Blue Ox every year. Just curious from your perspective, uh, some of the festivals that really stand out to you as well as what appeal there is to Blue Ox that keeps you coming back each year. Well, you know, about Blue Ox, it's just, it's just a great time of year to get up there in that beautiful part of the country. And, and now we got Powell's. We got, you know, we got Pert and Air. We got you, got you Green Sky. Got you, got you Wood Brothers. I mean, you know, we, so it's, 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 uh, and of course I've been part of getting to, getting to jam with you guys in Pert and Air. And, and, uh, so that, that's always a real comfortable feeling. But when you, you know, when I think about festivals, I mean, it's interesting. I I got to go to. I was able to attend arguably the first bluegrass festival, certainly the first multi-day bluegrass festival show. Right, and and so 1965 in Fincastle, Virginia, it was called the Roanoke Bluegrass Festival. And I read about it in Sing Out magazine. I was 13 years old and begged my parents to let me go, so I did get to go there. And ended up even going the second year too in 1966. So I got to see all these, you know, great mandolin players and performers that I now realize what a what a great thing it was to get to be part of. And you know, because I was literally sitting there watching the you know the originators of bluegrass. The Stanley Brothers were there. Jimmy Martin, Jim and Jesse, the Osborne Brothers, of course, Bill Monroe and the Bluegrass Boys. Clyde Moody, you know Mac Wiseman, and so uh, and and of course all the great fiddle players, banjo pickers, and and just to get out of the car and there, you know, when you arrive at this festival and there's about twelve jam sessions going on around the grounds. I mean, you're just like, what the heck? I'm in heaven, and so <laughs> yeah, and and it, I guess it's no surprise. I mean, I never, you know, had a, a moment where I go, gee, I want to play festivals for a living. But obviously, it made its mark, and uh, the you know loving music has just led me there, and uh, and really festivals started to kind of take off for the most part in the very early seventies, and and that's just I graduated from high school in nineteen seventy, and 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 then we you know 
I immediately joined the band called the Bluegrass Alliance, and I was going around to some of these festivals that are, you know, now long established. I imagine as a 13-year-old, you were pretty wide-eyed when you got out of the van at the festival. Yeah. Oh, amazing. Amazing, you know. And, and I met some people that we are, you know, met many people, but, you know, some of them we are still pals to this day. Uh, yeah, that's great. People pals like Tony Trishka and, and uh, Andy Statman, uh, Butch Robbins, uh, you know, it's just... I got him, Al Olsteen, another great banjo picker, Rick Ryman, and you know guys that went on to play music. And, and oh, and 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 one of the most important meetings I had was uh, you know David Grisman. Oh sure. Yeah, it's a pretty eye-opening experience, that's for sure. I imagine. Um, and one of the reasons we love having you back each year is to kind of continue uh, the tradition of string music uh, and have people who are in our minds legendary to help foster that in the young crowd at blue ox as well and we uh i feel like we've we've been doing a great job getting young people to the festival and encouraging families to bring their kids and not just you know have a weekend away from the kids but get those kids there and get them involved in the festival have them bring their instruments and and really try to uh, have people immerse themselves in the music beyond what's on stage as well. So it's great to have you, you know, speak yeah. about that. And that's where Blue Ox is succeeding because, yes, it does appeal to a young audience. And if you don't have a young audience, you don't have an audience. And, uh, and so it appeals to a young audience and is totally suited for family. Absolutely. And, of course, nothing, you know, is better than when really young kids are all of a sudden discovering this acoustic music and the different kinds that there is and the joy and the energy in them. So it, and, and it's, it's one of the few kinds of music you can probably share with your parents, right? So <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So it's, uh, it, it's a joyful experience, that's for sure. Uh, did you know that the cover photo you use on your website is from Blue Ox? I thought it was. <laughs> yeah, it is. It was. Uh, it's from a couple years ago when the when the oak tree was still alive. But I was, you know, flipping around. I was like, "Hey, I know that scene. That's Blue Ox." <laughs> yeah, 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 I thought it was. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, you mentioned David Gersman a minute ago, and brings another mandolin player that I um, have an adoration for, Norman Blake. And I heard a story a while ago. Your mandolin Haas came from Norman Blake originally. Is that right? Yes. Uh, well, be- before I had it, yeah. Now, um, of course, you know, Norman didn't buy it new. Norman got it from George Gruen, uh, sure. probably in 1972. And then, and, you know, it, and uh, I knew the mandolin before Norman got it, and I wasn't that wild about it. And um, so uh, Blake has a great ear for instruments or, or hears potential in instruments that knows maybe what to do to him to bring them out. But he took that mandolin in 1937 and had the great luthier Randy Wood um, take the back off of it and uh, shave the braces you know, under the top there. And uh, so it, it just opened it all up. It made it a totally different sounding mandolin. And then, uh, and so then that was the mandolin Norman used on the John Hartford record, uh, Morning Bugle. And so, and Hartford even plays it with finger picks on the tune uh, "Nobody Eats at Lime Balls Anymore." Everybody's gone to work. 
so then I saw Norman and John playing. They was just they were used to do it then. And uh walked in, he had that mantle and I couldn't believe it was the same one. And I asked him what happened. He said, Randy Wood, Jay the Braces. And so it was a pretty much a drop to my knees and beg him to sell it to me if he ever did. <laughs> and uh he he didn't. Well he he traded it to Tut Taylor for, you know, something else. And uh but Tut, he told Tut call me, I really wanted it. And so Tut called me and within about three days I had it. And um and much to my delight, when I got there, it had been refinished in varnish and uh, by Randy Wood. And um, I later found out that Norman and Harford were in a particularly uh, funny mood one night and uh, <laughs> took all the finish off the instrument. They decided they hated the finish, so they took, they scraped all the finish, or Norman scraped all the finish off an original F5 Gibson. And uh, hard to, they made a tape of it, and John. I've heard the tape. I don't have it, but John uh, was like a sportscaster. He had that. He, well, he had been a radio announcer, and that deep voice. And uh, so John was, you know, the sportscaster on this scraping of an F5 Gibson. <laughs> and so, so I didn't know it'd be refinished, and it was it was even more beautiful than I thought when I went to pick it up. So, so I had that. I got that mandolin in uh, January of 1973, and. Uh, he's downstairs now. Oh, that's a great story. <laughs> now, do you um, you you're playing that primarily on stage with the Sam Bush band? Is that right? As well as the the electric Fender. I do. I play it, and I play uh, uh, a uh, about a year two thousand Gibson Sam Bush model. That all those were copied after Old Hoss as well. So that, and I got my uh, first slide playing. Uh, Put four strings on a 1938 National mandolin, metal-bodied mandolin. Play slide on that, and then my my electric mandolin is a 1956 Fender electric mandolin. Sure. So, so yeah, just different options, you know, mandolin-wise, you can do. Now you put on such a great show with the Sam Bush Band that we've seen at Blue Ox each year, uh, where you really bridge that traditional acoustic world as well as getting into the electric rock, like you mentioned, more of a Hendrix sound with your new song and video. Uh, do you find yourself in the situation still where you really cater towards the audience, where you might be at a festival where you dial it a lot more traditional or a lot more electric? Or do you tend to try to you know, bridge that sound with each show and really give this fuller... Well, um, well we kind of do what we do, but yes, I mean, I've always, you know... Before I write the set list at a festival situation, I want to see the see the audience to see how see how people are acting. What are you what are you what are you liking today? How you are you dancing a lot or you know are you not dancing? Are you sitting? You know. So I mean, yes, we we can alter we do alter the show and uh, per per the audience, and that's the great thing about the uh, this band. You know, we're just especially when we got Chris Brown on drums, we can we can do so many types of different types of music. If we need drum style music, of course we've got him. If we were, if we're going to just play a bluegrass song, you don't really notice him. So uh, sure, and especially you know, if, if we're not playing festivals, if we're for instance performing at a performing arts center, you know, it's really quiet and people are sitting and not standing. Well, then um, that's where we can throw in, you know, some really quiet numbers here and there. Whereas in a festival situation, I tend to want to keep the volume louder and you know with 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 much more energy oh so you're known as the king of telluride 
And I didn't name myself that, by the way. <laughs> it's not. It is not a self-proclaimed kingdom that you reign it's over. Because I've been there the most. <laughs> <laughs> well, you do, but you do wield a mighty axe, and um, I know I maybe threw this at you as I introduced you last year on stage. Um, again, perhaps a moniker that you're you you don't bestow upon yourself, and maybe you're reluctant to get, but. Um, you have been at Blue Ox now. You will be there all five years, and I think it's only appropriate to call you the Paul Bunyan of Blue Ox. <laughs> hey, if you saw the if you saw the uh, the painting that became a poster, we just played an outdoor festival in Colorado called uh, Ullergrass, and the way they drew us, it looked like Stephen and I were these big Nordic Vikings with bare chests and. <laughs> <laughs> Nice. And it looks like a Paul Bunyan thing, but uh, <laughs> oh boy! <laughs> well, I'm glad you. I'm glad you're not too resistant to it. <laughs> That's terrific. <laughs> well, you know, and it's just great when you. I mean, I've been fortunate to get in on a few festivals over the years. You know, from the ground floor up, and so it's just great you get to be part of that and watch it grow. So I really appreciate that. Yeah, man. Well, we love having you. Uh, we got a, a sort of a lightning round of questions for you. We're going to throw at you um, and you can either answer quickly and shortly or extensively or not at all. You could say pass, Whatever. Um, but it's just a, it's just a quick list of questions. Uh Oh, now we're in double jeopardy. All right. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. All right. So, does does Sam Bush have a, a specific pre-show meal that you really like to have? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. No, but no, but I try to avoid red meat before I play. It just kind of slows me down. Uh, so yeah, okay. Avoid red meat and cheese and stuff like that. But some energy style food if I can. But not any one specific thing. All right. Okay. Do you have any pre-show rituals? You got a. Ohm, do a little bit of meditation and zen out a little, or uh, no, just uh, <laughs> my main uh, pre-show uh, ritual is to try to get eight instruments in tune, and then yeah. uh, <laughs> well, and and some vocal exercises that actually some that I learned from Lyle Lovett and some that I learned from Stephen Mojan, who is really my vocal coach, our guitar player Stephen. Okay, yeah, who has an amazing voice. Um, do you have a must-have like rider item of something you hope to have at each show from the venue? Uh, Perrier. <laughs> <laughs> okay, it's good to drink water. I haven't been drinking for a while. I'm getting pretty boring, but it's keeping me up. Oh, right. yeah. My energy's good. <laughs> All right. So the next question may not be that exciting either. What do you What do you have for an on-stage drink? Uh, gee, I finally learned to appreciate water. <laughs> <laughs> After years and years. It took me a long time to realize water is my best friend on stage. <laughs> Do you have a favorite market? Sort of. I mean, I don't know if, if, if Nashville is kind of your home, but if there's a market that you just you can't wait to get to, each time you see it on the calendar, you're very excited to go. Well, I tell you, no, we, I mean, we are that way about about Blue Ox now, so that's nice. I mean, I guess some of them are kind of festivals, for instance. Of course, I always really look forward to the Telluride Bluegrass Festival, but even before that one each year, and again, these are festivals I get to go to each year, is uh, Merle Fest, you know, that happens at the end of April. So, you know, I love Merle Fest, but really, 
in terms of a, just a general thing, um, I mean, it's interesting. A lot it seems that we we run into quite a few people that think that that Lynn and I either live in Colorado or North Carolina, and uh, <laughs> really we tend to play in those two states quite often. You know, so that yeah, okay. That's pretty great, but and of course I always it, it always holds you know special thing for me as a Kentuckian to get to play uh, you know in 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 my home state anywhere really, uh, but uh, especially now there's a good festival at the end of uh, June the week after Telluride called Romp, so it's it's a nice oh yeah we played Romp last year oh, okay yeah. in, in Owensboro Kentucky so. It's just you know I look forward to uh, it's and, and now we've got you know it's great when you can get a new a new place to look forward to get to go to and, and so Blue Ox is one now and and uh, I mean it's always fun to go back to for us just get to play in Chicago we had so many great memories there and you know it's not much of a sports town but still uh, <laughs> <laughs> Jeff that was a Jethro Burns joke where he go we don't have professional sports where I live I'm from Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> So you're an influence on a lot of people, but who's influencing Sam Bush right now? Right now, uh, well, I do get in. I, I have my influences, and I you know love to listen and learn stuff. Uh, John McLaughlin is will I guess is always um, is like a, an influence and, and an inspiration. Uh, so and and not that I can play many things that John McLaughlin has done. It just inspires me to listen to him to try to to, to try to learn. Uh, and you know, it's it. I mean, I was sitting playing the got a you know my Fender Telecaster the other day and realized that you know wow I'd stumbled upon a couple of new licks that I uh, and I, I still learn from Eric Clapton things. You know, I mean, just recently I got I kind of got returned on to the great bluegrass fiddler that I used to play with sometimes Kenny Baker. I started listening to Kenny again. Just and and with a few, uh, I don't know, say a number of months ago, went to Oklahoma and played with a guy that was in my a very, you know, big influence on me as a fiddle player and uh, you know, just to, and became friends as Byron Berline. And I got to, and I played with Byron a number of months ago, and it just kind of reinvigorated me as how much I love his playing and 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 that you know how much you know, I, I you know I have tried to play like him and and um, so it's 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 neat. And I mean, of course, now I hear young man players. I mean, hell, I just played with Drew Emmett the other day and left over Sam and. And he's not only one of my best friends, but he's one of my favorite mandolin players. He's just a wonderful player. And um, and then you got the then you got Chris Delian's here. Oh, hey man, <laughs> I love hearing all yeah. that. Yeah, no doubt. Well, a follow up question there would be: You've collaborated with so many people in your career. Is there anyone off the top of your head that you would really hope to still collaborate with? Eric Clapton. I've been a Clapton fan since you know since the cream. I mean, I was, in, you know, I was in high school when uh, all that hit the scene, you know, in the late 60s. And so uh, I never got to collaborate with George Harrison. That would have been great. I, I loved it. I loved, uh, I, I, you know what? Yeah, I, I would like to collaborate with Ian Anderson. <laughs> I love Ian Anderson's music. <laughs> okay. You know, but who knows, you know? I'll, you never know. Maybe, maybe, maybe all these paths will cross one day, but really as an electric guitarist and, you know, Songwriter, singer, Eric Clapton is 
sets the bar pretty high for quality. And that being said, of course, there's there's still acoustic people I want to play with too. So it's uh, hey, I, I like collaborating with 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 Sierra and Chris on the mandolins anytime. Yeah, it's it's great. You still you can tell you still have that desire and energy and joy for it all. It really comes through in your music, and even when you talk about it, it's really fun to listen to. It's inspirational as well. Well, I mean, because there, there's something to be learned in every situation. So, you know, I've certainly reached the age where the young the young musicians are you know turning me on and 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 keeping me enthused about playing. I mean, yeah. gosh, you know, I, I, I guess maybe I dreamed that it would be someday, but, you know, it, it's hard to believe that when you're actually kind of a senior citizen, shall I say. I get that discount <laughs> at the movies now. Yeah, sure. <laughs> and I'm happy for that three and a half dollars less. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know, it, it, but I mean, it really is wild, you know, you look up, because I just still, I, I think I kind of always feel like I'm sort of the age of, everyone I'm around and, and you know I guess I feel that energy that's great we really look forward to seeing you in June you'll be playing Saturday this year I believe um, people can look forward to that thank you so much it's going to be a pleasure because you know we all look forward to that time of year we get to get together and see each other and get outdoors and just feel that camaraderie it's great so we're going we're gonna to have a big time at the Blue Ox this year as well as you know, just having a good summer. We'll see you there. All right, Sam, thanks for chatting with us. We'll see you out in the pines. Nate, you're in California, and I'm in Minnesota, and we forgot to record the outro to the second episode. Well, hopefully this will work. we got to thank again Sam Bush for carving out the time to talk to us. We are forever grateful for his continued support and participation in Blue Ox. We also need to thank some of our festival sponsors, Bell's Brewery, Loon Juice Cider, 89.3 The Current, Converge Radio, WORT, and Wisconsin Public Radio. Also, everybody, please look out for Pertinier in your town. We are going to be hitting the road a bunch in the next couple months doing Blue Ox pre-parties all over the region. Fargo, Duluth, Rochester, Benton Harbor, Michigan, Winona, Lutzen, Milwaukee, Evanston, Illinois, Appleton, Wisconsin, and of course, Eau Claire. You won't want to miss any of that. We'll be giving away tickets to Blue Ox at each one of those shows and Blue Ox swag. Make sure to check our tour link on our website for a complete list of shows and dates. Uh, we're also welcoming questions and comments via email at roadtobluox at gmail.com. Email in, give us suggestions, tell us what you like, what you don't like about our podcast. Don't be too critical of us. We're doing the best we can. And maybe suggestions or questions pertaining to what you'd like to hear on the podcast or anything just send us some correspondence we are thirsty to hear what you have to say thank you all for spending this time with us and tune in for more episodes soon